Morning, everybody. Morning. Morning. Um, a couple of a couple of things that, as a church, going back historically, we've always emphasised as covenant and kingdom. And this morning, I want to speak about covenant, and then in a few weeks' time, I want to speak on on, on kingdom. So, so that's that, that's what I'm doing. That's what we're focusing on this morning. Is is covenant? The the dictionary definition of covenant is that it's an agreement or it's a bargain or it's a contract that's under, under the seal of the law. Specifically, biblically, a covenant is an agreement between God and man either in the form of an individual, such as Abraham, or as a group, such as the, the, the nation of Israel in the law of Mo- Moses. And, but it's an agreement that's set in law. It's a binding agreement, and it has conditions on both sides. And I want to look at three covenants this morning. Two have already mentioned the covenant between God and Abraham, the covenant of the law under Moses, but mostly I want to look at the covenant that we now live under, which is the the covenant under Jesus. So perhaps you could turn to me to to Genesis 12 to start off with. And let's look look at Abraham for a minute or two. So I'm reading, reading from verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kingdom and your father's house into the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went, went with him. So we've got here a covenant, an agreement, and these this, this two sides to it. God said to Abraham, go. And he says, if you go, I will bless you. I will, in other words, if you follow me where I'm going to lead you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your, your life is going to be full of blessings. So that was God's side of the agreement, that he was going to bless Abraham, he was going to make him into a great nation, even though him and his wife had no children and his, his, his wife was barren. Abraham's side of it is that he had to go. He had to go. He had to leave the land where he was and go to where God wanted him to be. Both he physically had to go, but he spiritually had to go as well. He had to follow where God was leading him, both physically and spiritually. If we turn over just a few pages into Genesis 15, then this covenant is reiterated. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, 
O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your own very son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and the number of the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So again, the Lord is reiterating this covenant that even though Abraham at this, this point is childless, his offspring shall be as numerous as the stars. And Abraham's response to it is that he believed God. So in this, this the two sides of the covenant here is that I'm going to make your offspring as numerous as the stars, but Abraham's deal was that he believed in it and God credited to him as righteousness. God blesses us abundantly, but we need to follow and we need to trust and we need to, be, to believe. We need to put our trust in him to enjoy the benefits of those, those blessings. That was the covenant that God had with Abraham. And I want to return to that um, that later. The next covenant I want to look at is the law of Moses. Because Abraham did indeed become a great nation. The nation of Israel, were, as, as we know, were in slavery in Egypt and they were brought out under Moses and the law was given to them. The Ten Commandments we're very familiar with in, in, in Exodus chapter 20. The, the, the Ten Commandments were given to, to Moses as a, as, a, as, a, as a law for the people to live by. Along with many other laws about sacrifice, about ritual, about social and religious life. The laws were very complicated and very detailed. In return... So this was the covenant, this was the agreement. God was saying, I want you to keep the law. In return, God was saying, I'm going to bless you. The, the blessing was still there. The abundance of the blessing was there. I'm going to show mercy towards you. I'm not going to judge you to, according to your sins. I'm going to bring you into the promised land. He said, because he, he took them out of Egypt with a purpose in mind, not for them to wander around in the wilderness, but to enter the promised land, a land full of milk and honey, a land full of, full of, full of blessing and prosperity for them. But he said, what you, need to do, that, what you need to do to enjoy this is that you need to follow the law that I'm, that I'm giving you. The, the promise was to inherit the land, but the law was there for them to follow. And there were consequences for them not following that law. This was a legally binding covenant. If you do this, you will enjoy the, these, these blessings. But if you don't, then there are consequences and there are problems. And we've, we find in, in Deuteronomy 27 and 28... There's a, there's a series of blessings and curses announced. Blessings for following the law, but curses 
for not following the law. That things would start to go wrong if they abandoned God and didn't follow his commands. And we actually see that being fulfilled throughout the Old Testament. Because they, they, they did enter the promised land, they did arise into a, into a mighty nation, but successive generations abandoned God and punishment was brought, was brought and then they, they returned to God and things were restored and things like that. But eventually it led to the downfall of the nation. And the nation was taken away into exile because they hadn't followed the commandments that, that, that God, that God had, had laid down. And so, the, you know, the, the whole of what we call the Old Testament is actually, from the law of Moses onward, is an enacting of the, this old covenant of blessings if, the, if you follow the covenant, but of, of, of punishment if things go, go wrong. And we could perhaps say, because of what happened, because, you know, the, 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 the Israel didn't follow God and then there were punishment and they were conquered, but then things got better, but eventually they lent into exile. You could say, well, perhaps the old, the old, covenant, the old covenant failed. It wasn't... It didn't work. Well, as far as man did concerned, yes, it did, because they failed to keep their side of the bargain. But it wasn't the covenant that failed. It was actually man that failed. In fact, Paul says in Romans, he says, that the law in itself was perfectly good. There was nothing wrong with this law. The problem was that man failed to keep it. And in fact, he says that the, the law fulfilled its purpose. It fulfilled its purpose in that it showed up sin or wrongdoing for what it was supposed to be. It showed it up, it exposed it. And it, it actually showed up the inadequacies of man and the inability of man in his own strength to keep the law and to do what was right. It showed that up and it laid the foundation and laid the path for a new way, for a better way, which is the covenant that we, that we, that we, that we find ourselves now under Jesus. Because the old covenant, man wasn't able to... To, to do to do that, and, and, and don't you know? Don't we see nowadays that, that many people they want to live under old covenant rules. They want to justify themselves, and they say, you know, we're all right. You know, I, I, I don't do any I don't do any harm. I try my best. Um, I'm better than such and such down, down the road. And in various ways, we all want to justify ourselves and say that we're all right. Well, what the old covenant did, it exposed this as a false way because man could not keep the requirements of, of God's law. In his own strength, man failed in that old covenant, re covenant relationship. So God, through 
Jesus, through his death and his resurrection on the cross, brought about a new covenant, a new agreement. And in this, God actually fulfills both sides of the agreement. The, the, the blessings of God are still there. He still says, I want to bless you. I want to pour out my abundance on you. I want to give you, I want to give you good things. But because we can't match up to God's law, God's law was actually fulfilled in the death of Jesus on the cross. He says, I'll fulfill the other side as well. Because man in his own strength can't do it. So I will send my son as the perfect man to fulfill the law. And through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, he became the fulfillment of that law. The law wasn't done away with and scrapped. The law was fulfilled in what Jesus, in what Jesus did. And Paul talks about this to a great extent in, 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 in Romans 5 and Romans, and Romans 8, that the law is fulfilled, fulfilled in Jesus. What man couldn't do, God did through Jesus on, on the cross. So now it isn't a covenant of law, but it's a covenant of grace. And Paul talks about this in Romans 6. It's a covenant of grace, of unmerited favour. We didn't deserve this. We don't deserve the blessings. We failed on the law. But nevertheless, through Jesus, we can still partake of those, of those blessings because, because the law is fulfilled in, in him. We're under, we're under a covenant of, of grace. But also, and this is going back to Abraham, it's a covenant like God had with Abraham. Where we follow and we believe. There is a side that we have to do. But it isn't keeping the law. It's following Jesus and it's believing in him. And in Romans 4, Paul talks about, about how... The covenant with Abraham was a covenant of faith. So not only is it a covenant of grace that we're under, but it's a covenant of faith where we believe in the finished and complete work of Jesus and that we have no other thing that we're hanging on to. We have no self-righteousness. We have no salvation by works or doing good but we are completely reliant on the finished work of Jesus that he has fulfilled the, fulfilled the, the covenant so the covenant is more like this God's side of the agreement is that he will bless he will prosper us. He will do us good. He will keep us. He will protect us. He will pour out of all his goodness upon us. Our side of the agreement is that we accept that. That's all we have to do is that we have to accept it. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a position whereby you've, you've given, you've got a present for somebody or you've gone to somebody and you've said, 
I'll do that for you and I'll help you in that. And they've turned around and said, no, 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 don't, don't want it. It doesn't matter, you know, I'll, I'm all right. And, it, and it's, there's, there's a, a disappointment within you because you wanted to bless that person and to help them and that they haven't accepted it. You know, sometimes we disappoint that the heart of the Father, he so wants to give and pour out of his love on us and give us good things, and we can turn around and say, no, we're all right, we're fine as we are, we'll do it in our own strength. Well, not only doesn't it work for us, but, you know, God, God there's a disappointment within the heart of God because he so wants to bless us. You know, why don't we, we just need to open ourselves up and, and cut out this, no, I'll be all right, I'll manage, I'm fine as I am, and receive of the good things that God has, God has got for us. Because he's got great things for us. I just want to mention, I want to talk a little bit about that now, the blood of the covenant. Because the old and the new covenant are brought into effect through sacrifice, through the shedding of blood. In the, old, in the old covenant, it was through the blood of animals, through sheep and pigeons and, 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 and cows, and you know, through the shedding of blood. But in the new covenant, it's through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross and Hebrews in Hebrews it talks about that the blood that the, the, the new covenant is so much better than the old covenant it's so much more powerful and it's so much more effective in the old covenant sacrifices were made day after day there was a continual going up of sacrifices because they were never really effective. They were never re really effective. In, um, in Hebrews 10 and 11, it says that they offered the same sacrifices day after day which can never take away sins. They, they were there as a sign they were there that um, they were there to, as an atonement for sin, but they weren't. They weren't doing the job. It says also in Hebrews. It says, "Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins." So really, what they did was point the way to the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did when He died on the cross. That His his blood was so much more powerful, so much more effective. He didn't, he isn't offered up as a sacrifice day after day continually, but he sacrificed himself once and for all, for all time. The blood of goats and lambs could never cover the sins, but Jesus' blood covered all sin for all time committed by all people <coughs> I'm 
just give myself a moment to... Um, you know, I'm getting excited by this. It's, it, it, you know, it, it's really... <laughs> so there, there's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power for forgiveness of sin. Sin has been dealt with once and for all. And we don't, we don't need to make any more sacrifice for sin. We don't need to say, we don't need to come and say, oh, how miserable am I? I've done this or I've done that. And pay some sort of penance and say, I'll do this or I'll do that to make up for it because God has done it once and for all and it's complete. But you know, there's power in the, the power of the blood is not limited to forgiveness of sin. There is more to the power of the blood of Jesus. There's healing in the blood of Jesus. Physical, mental, spiritual healing in the blood of Jesus. You know, Isaiah 53 talks about by his stripes we are, we are healed. There's peace and security in the blood of Jesus. It says that, you know, the, chastis the chastisement was on him that brought our peace. Yes. We can overcome grief and sorrow by the blood of Jesus. It's all there in Isaiah 53. We, we can overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus. He, we, they overcame him by, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, it says in Re Revelation. There's great power in the blood of Jesus. And when I first became a Christian, we, far more than now, we talked about the blood of Jesus. We, we claimed the power of the blood of Jesus. And... We apply the blood of Jesus in our lives. But, but this is what God has done. He offers a complete salvation. It is not just a forgiveness of sins. And then he leaves us and says, get on with it. But there's great power in the blood of Jesus. And we need to apply that power in our lives on a daily basis. You know, sometimes... When we look at this, there can be a tendency of some Christians to label themselves as just sinners saved by grace. But we're not just sinners saved by grace. Jesus doesn't just save you and leave you. But there's a tremendous process going on whereby we are changed from glory to glory. <coughs> and in fact, we're not sinners at all. We're not sinners. We may sin, we may fall, we may do wrong things that are wrong, but no longer by nature are we sinners because we've been transformed, we've been changed. We've been taken from the kingdom of darkness and we now reside in the kingdom of light. We are no longer sinners. We don't need to consider ourselves as sin. 
as sinners, although from time to time we, we may fall into sin. Paul says, again, I'm going to keep coming back to Romans. He says in Romans 6 that we are dead to sin, but we are alive in Christ. Now, that isn't some sort of a, a threat that you're, look, look at you, you're supposed to be dead to sin. Why, you know, why, why have you done this or that? But it's a promise. It's a promise that says sin doesn't have rule over you anymore. Under this new covenant, sin does not have rule any, over you anymore. You're free. You're free to enjoy the fullness of the life that, that Christ has given you. You, you, you're, free, you're free from sin. You know, when I, was, when I was teaching, if somebody didn't, if somebody, one of the pupils did something wrong, I didn't say, you're stupid or you're bad. I might say, that, was a bad, that wasn't a good thing to do. Or that was a daft thing to do. But I wouldn't label them as being stupid or daft or, or, or a bad person. And it's the same with, with this. We are not labelled sinners. We are not labelled sinners, even though from time to time we may slip or we may fall. We have been set free from sin. Let's live as that, you know... I look at it as a very as a positive thing. I've been set free. I no longer have to. And and I know as God works in me, I am changed. I am changed and I move forward. And some of the things I used to do, I don't do anymore. And some of the things that I didn't do and neglected, I, I now I now do because God is working in me. Let's not view ourselves as, as, sinners, as just sinners saved by grace. We've been set free from sin. Sin reigns and rules in us no longer. We, we're dead to sin and we're alive in Christ. In the talk about um, covenants or contracts and agreements being signed, sealed and delivered... Don't they? Well, this new covenant was it was delivered by the Father. He gave his son, he sent his son into the world. It was signed with the blood of Jesus, but it was sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 13 14 says that the Holy Spirit is, is our seal, He's our the guarantee of our inheritance. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we enjoy, that we enjoy the benefits of this, of this covenant. That we enjoy his presence. I was so blessed, and it's, it's already been said, by the prophecy that Annie brought. Let's spend more time in his presence. You know, we don't, to do that, we don't necessarily have to get alone in our bedroom, close the bedroom door, shut everything off. We can, we can be driving along in our car, 
but be in his presence. We can be, we can be on, on a walk in the countryside, yeah. but be in his presence. We can be doing the washing up or the gardening, but be in his presence. Let's enjoy the presence of God. It's a privilege of the new covenant. Another thing that he, he promises is prosperity. He promises things that will go well. He says, I'm here to bless you and to do you good. He promises you prosperity. Amen. Let's seek God that we will be prosperous in all that we do. In our, in our finances, in our, in, in, our, in our life in general, in our relationships, in our, in our spirit within us. That we will be prosperous. That things will be well with us. That should be the norm. That things will be well within our, our spirits. It doesn't mean to say that we, we're not open to, to the circumstances of life. Of course we are. But God wants us to prosper within, our, within ourselves. Another thing he promises is protection. He promises to keep to, to keep us, to protect us from harm and from evil. We can trust God that even in the midst of tough circumstances, that things will go well with us, that he will work things out for our good and our, our blessing. He promises by his Holy Spirit power that we're not just, we're not just sitting there we, weak and weak need and... Um, saying, God, look after me and be able to do nothing. He says, I will give you power. His promise was that the, for the disciples was to remain until they received the power from on high, that we will be able to, we will be able to accomplish his will, that we will, we will be able to affect situations. He says, you're the head, you're not the tail. We, we, can, we can move into situations and we can affect situations and we can see situations change because we have the power of the Holy Spirit operating within us. He promises to us purpose. He says there's purpose and there's meaning in your life. It's not just occupying the time that you're on this earth. But you've got purpose. I've got things for you to do. I've got good works that I've ordained for you to do before the foundation of the, wor the world. I've got a will and a purpose and a direction of your life that will bring fulfillment. These are all benefits that God promises through his Holy Spirit in the new covenant that we, that we stand. You know, in society, they talk about an entitlement culture. And we, we have it in school that, it, that, that if a particular child has special needs, they will be entitled to certain support. That if you've got a lack of, a lack of income, you're entitled to, 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 to benefits to help you with your income. There's various entitlements that people have for in various situations. The new covenant gives us an entitlement before God. Ask and you will receive. Ask anything in my name, says Jesus, and I will give it, give it to you. It is not being arrogant. It is not being arrogant, going to God and asking for. In fact, we've been implored to do that this morning. 
We've been told to do that very thing this morning. We need to know that we have an entitlement. Let's not live as paupers when we're the son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This covenant is binding. This covenant is binding. God is bound to bless you if you turn to him under the grace of the new covenant. Let's do that. God, God is not a reluctant giver. He's longing for us to, to turn to him and receive and receive of the good things. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That covenant is, is, is guaranteed. If God before us, who can be against us? And that's the situation. You know, in this, there's this four opinions to ignore. There's four opinions to ignore. First of all, is your own. Don't be, you know... Don't believe what you always think about yourself. Absolutely. Second is what others say about you. Yeah. Don't listen to them. Thirdly is what the devil tells you. Certainly don't listen to him. But fourthly, and this can often be most destructive, what you think others think about you. Ignore it. Because so often we can be negative in what, what we're thinking, that others are thinking about us, when they're probably not thinking that at all. The answer is, believe what God tells you about you. Have the same opinion of yourself as God has. That, that is that you're a child of the new covenant. That you will live under grace and not under law. That you are exposed to the blessings and the favour of God. And that there is nothing can stand against you. Invoke the clauses of the covenant. Speak God's blessing and prosperity on your life. Don't speak, don't speak negative things. Don't put yourself, don't put yourself down, but speaks God's blessing and, 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 and prosperity on your life. Speaks God's goodness on, on your life. Speak, speaks God's power into situations that they will change by the power of, of God. Claim back. From the enemy, the things that he's robbed you of and are rightfully, rightfully your, yours. Amen. Destined to fail? No, we are destined to succeed. Right. Amen. Finally, I'd like to say what happens if the covenant is, is, is broken? The apprentice has just started, hasn't it? And he's looking for a new partner. And when he finds one, there will be a partnership agreement, won't there? There'll be a partnership agreement. And there'll be certain, there'll be consequences if that agreement is broken. And somewhere in it, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be a chuck-out clause. That if it really, really does break down, they'll be chucked out. I want to tell you this morning that in God's covenant there is no chuck out clause. There is, 
There is consequences. If we start to walk away, there are, there are consequences. The consequences are that we don't enjoy the benefits and the blessings that God has for us because we're walking away from him. But there's no truck out call. God does not say, because you have not done that, because you're not following me now, that's it, you've had it. In fact, God does the very opposite. If you, were, if you start to walk away from him, he chases after you. He, he reaches out to you to bring you back again. That's what the parable of the lost sheep is all about. And the lost, co the lost coin is all about. About God going out of his way to bring back those that have, that, have gone astray, that have gone astray. We might walk away, we might turn our backs from God. But he's coming after us. And he's, he's, he's seeking... He's seeking He's seeking, he's seeking us out. He's never, the, the, the word says, I will never, I will never leave you nor, nor forsake you. He says, I am with you always. It's not part of God's covenant that he's going to chuck you out. His covenant is that he's always reaching out to us. He's always pursuing us. He's always wanting us to come back into to, to his presence. Even the, the scriptures that talk about throwing somebody out of the church or Paul says handing them over to Satan at one point. That they are designed to make those people realise the errors of the way so that they may return. God's heart is to is towards in every way. You know, it's, it's not a punishment, is that? It's a discipline. Punishment is of the old covenant. And the old covenant has been done away, done away with. Jesus has taken all our punishment. Jesus has taken it all. But he does discipline us so that we may grow and we may move forward and we may, we may, we may, move, we may move on. You know, if the covenant is, is broken, God is still in his heart of love with all, every fibre of his being seeking us out that we, that we may, re, may return. So what, what do we say in response to all this? We're under grace. There's no punishment. We have his blessing. Even if we start to wander away from him, he comes after us to bring us back. Are we complacent? No, we're confident. We're not complacent, we're confident in God. We're confident that we can move forward in God. We're confident that we can do great things in God. We're confident that we have prosperity and we have blessings in our life and things are going to go well for us because we're in God. We're confident that God is going to do great things, things amongst us. We're confident that we will reach this town of Keithley and things will be changed in, in God. We're confident in the power of God amongst us that we, we will move forward in, in grace and in mercy and in love. We're confident in, in you, Jesus, and we give you glory right now. We're not complacent. Is it, Paul says, are we to continue in sin that, by, that grace may abound? By no means. 
by no means we go forward in God in the power of his might and in his Holy Spirit and we see, we look for God to do great things amongst us. We look to, for God to do great things in our lives. We look, to, to, we look for God to do great things in this town of Keithley and beyond. Yes. Amen.